This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. All right, great to have all you folks here today. So we're, we're continuing on with, with a second part, like through the eyes of a lion. And, and through the eyes of a lion, it's really taking a look at, at how do we see it differently. So I want to play the video for you. I want to play the trailer. So you just get a sense of where we're going with this series about what does it mean to actually start to see through the eyes of a lion. Take a look at the trailer. You open your eyes and see a light once hidden behind darkness and shadows. You see a peace in the serenity and the calm. I see a training for the trial, the enabling of God. You see a storm, waves of suffocating sorrow which threaten to smother you. I see an anchor, a hope. You see mistakes and failures, baggage and pain. I see influence, a microphone. One day you'll open your eyes and see potentials expired. And time is up. But I see the echoes in eternity, a work finally finished. Listen, focus. A light lies hidden beneath the darkness of shadows. See the things unseen. Eternity now, to the eyes of a lion. that trailer, right? Because it, it, it just speaks to that there are new ways that we can see our lives. And I think so much of the time, what our biggest challenge is again and again is what we quote unquote know. And how do we break out of that? How do we see in new ways? How do we allow our God-given gifts to come to the fore? How do we find an appropriate love of self, an appropriate love of other people, an appropriate love of God that gives life and connection? It starts to make a difference out there into the world. Because we need to do that. Like our lives tend to get stuck. I love this New Yorker. I love this, this overview, right? Today we're looking at how to do that by moving to the, let's say that again, moving to the, moving to the margins. Like how do we move to the margins as part of this? Because I feel like we discover a lot of those loves when we move to the margins. When we, when we move to the edges of our life individually, we move to the edges of our society. We'll start to see with the eyes of a lion. We'll start to find something new. And we'll start to feel something coming alive deeply in our life. It is a sacred decentering. I love this cartoon from the New Yorker. I think this is so much a problem. It probably takes you a second to get that. Isn't that good? <laughs> You know, what the moon believes. Well, the moon believes, yeah, this is great. The earth rotates around me. And I think we need, to, we need to start to see that, oh, actually, there's a sacred decentering that happens, but it's not a decentering that is a belittling or a beguiling. It's a sacred decentering that brings us back into who we actually really are. And what we've been looking at is a story that's all about that. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. For those of you who are unaware, uh, the Bible, there's, there's four different main books where they talk about the life of Christ. 
in, in a number of them, they talk about Christ preaching. And they aren't real long sermons, but the longest one is called the Sermon on the Mount. He goes to a mountain, he addresses a number of people, and he starts out this sermon with a, with a bunch of, of sayings called the Beatitudes. Now, to give you just an idea of how this went to the edges, take a look at this map. See that tiny little yellow pin? Most of what was happening in, in Israel at that time was way down there at that big lake in the bottom called the Dead Sea. So you can see, even, even this offering of the Sermon on the Mount, it wasn't done in the main temple in Jerusalem. If you're a history nut, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, don't worry about it. It wasn't happening down there. It was happening way up on the edge. It's sort of like, I know where to have a great audience, South Dakota. It's literally going way out onto the very, very edge of things and actually having conversation there. Powerful, powerful stuff. What gets delivered there, what gets delivered there is this beautiful sermon that I believe can change all of our lives, can change our optics. And it's not a sermon about these are all the correct things to believe. It's about this is how to live. And this is an actual call to the margins. As I said before, this is actually a call to the margins. It's called the Beatitudes. Here they are. And, and you think about that word Beatitudes, Beatitudes, what does that sort of sound like? Doesn't it sound like beautiful to you or beauty? And the idea of Beatitudes, this is to be something that is beautiful. This reminder to people in all these different places where they were that, that there is indeed beauty to life. And it was said in a way, and this I loved, somebody shared this with me over coffee. They said when you read through the Beatitudes that they had no idea how inclusive they were. Like these cover so such a wide range of our lives, where we might find ourselves, where other people might find ourselves, where places in society might be. So I want to read through these. I just want you just to let them like wash over you. Just listen to these. These are beautiful. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Again, that blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, and I love this one, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. I'm going to have you say the last three words on the last one here. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Beautiful lines there. And, and you know, and, and the optics there are so different. It's so different. It's, it's the complete counterweight to I, the way I tend to see the world. And yet there's something about that that just strikes me as true. And it's not something that we earn. I think here's Christ going, no, this is what's blessed. When we go to the margins of our lives, when we go to the margins of our communities, we will find blessings, we will be a blessing, and we will be blessed. Now, for our speaker. A number of months ago, as I noted, you know, we went out to California, had a great time with 40 people. And it was really a wonderful opportunity to kind of go to the margins, go to those vulnerable places in our life, go to the places, some of which are pretty good looking 
and some of which aren't. And when you go there, whether it's a 12-step room, whether it's going out to something like the Hoffman process, whether it's a small group in church, whether it's St. Francis Inn, there's so much to discover. And I wanted you folks to have a chance to hear one person's story of that so that you can take this, you can take these Beatitudes, you can take these ideas, you can take this idea of going to the margins, and you can see like, oh, that's what it's talking about. So I'd like to introduce my dear friend, and as we do with New Church Live, um, let's, let's give her a standing ovation to even start with, just to welcome her here to New Church Live. Jen, come on out. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to Chuck for having me out. Thanks, Chuck. There we go. December 25th, I received this one-of-a-kind piece of artwork from one of my best friends. Aside from thinking it was pretty cool, I knew that there was more to it. So a few days later, I asked her. I said, why this piece of artwork? And she said, Jennifer, you are all heart, but you're prickly at times. Yeah, best friend. Each of us believes that things should be the way we want them, as if the world is supposed to manifest according to our likes, wants, and needs. And when it doesn't, we may find it difficult to live on the right road. The right road is flow. It's acceptance, it's love, it's light, it's happiness. And then there's the left road. On the left road, we struggle. We create and hold stories. We have secrets. We try to drown out our anger and our fear and our resentments and our pain and our unmet desires. When what we truly seek is to live on the right road in courage and joy and love, and to be loved unconditionally. So I asked myself, what if I put my heart and soul into losing my prickles? Could I heal a lifetime of internal anger, fear, pain? And seriously, when do I have time for therapy every week? So, more importantly, What I had to ask is, is this my highest and best self? Can I really love myself? Am I lovable? Am I love-able? What am I angry about? I mean, I had it pretty good. And am I enough? Let's face it, we generally play inbounds with ourselves. When the juicy stuff, that deep binding connection to our light within and to others is found in the journey of healing out at the margins. So I decided I had to courage up and be vulnerable with my spirit. To admit to myself what I didn't 
and wouldn't dare admit out loud for fear of self-loathing. When what I needed was the opposite. Self-love, unconditional acceptance, and happiness from within. I needed to know that I was enough. I was going to have to explore my margins to find my truth. As Chuck said, in January, we got together. And as the rain poured in California, I and 39 others jumped into our margins UFC style, round after bloody round. I needed my stories knocked out. They no longer served me. 40 strangers individually and collectively battled our demons day and night, fighting with everything we had to break ourselves free of our invisible opponent, the prickles, the darkness within. Actually, it was more like 1980s WWF, when I think about it. Our motivation was to rid ourselves of the stories that kept us from living in the light. We were vulnerable with self, our private self on public display, our souls gasping for air, our hearts bleeding and beating us to the place that we all knew we wanted to go, desperately, all the while afraid of what we might find at the margins. And none of us cared what the others thought. It wasn't tag team. It was winner take all. And we all wanted our freedom. So we committed. We took massive action. We created our own momentum in laughter, tears, reflection, and a deep-rooted silence. It's at our margins where we heal. We were courageous. We didn't play safe. We let our egos die an ugly death. It was painful. There were tears. But we authored new stories and rearranged our relationship with our past self, our current self, and those we loved. We need both and, as Chuck spoke about last week. We need to know our darkness. But we also need to know there's crack. There are cracks to let the life in. We need to be responsible. We owe it to ourselves, our family, and friends to live a life of health and happiness. We need to courage up, folks. We need to explore our hidden vulnerabilities and let go of our self-imposed existential despair. As I said earlier, it rained a lot that week. Heaven cried with me, with all of us. And it was only after days, days of tearing open my wounds and destroying my stories and scrapping my way to internal peace that the sun came out. It was epic. The clouds literally parted. The rain stopped and there was sun shining on these redwood trees. It was like every cinematographer had driven up from Hollywood 
to art direct it. It was spectacular. But the light, the light that shone upon 40 individuals who are no longer strangers, our singular and collective experience, we were now in the light. We were unified at our margins. We loved ourselves. We loved each other just for being. As Chuck said earlier, nobody knew who anybody was or what they did for a living. We loved each other just for being. We were all enough. So what I know is we need both and. And I've come up with three coexisting truths. Number one, Philly. We the people are individuals. And by loving and caring and accepting self first, we can love, care, and accept others. Courage is being selfish enough to stand for yourself first. Number two, by fighting our individual battles, we unknowingly support each other and we connect and heal as a community. We healed the fractures and we felt less isolated. And by tilting our collective axes, our hearts and the sun came out that day. Number three, by going to the margins, we find that we're whole. And we are our light and happiness because of our darkness. Life happens for us. When all is said and done, we're all courageous. We're all love. We're all lovable. We're all love-able. And we are enough. So I'd like you to place your hands, I'd invite you to place your hands on your heart and listen to this next song. Because when Philadelphia freedom is shining its light, remember, we're lost together and we're found together. Thank you. Wasn't that great? So just thank you, Jen, again. We're, we're going to be singing. This was, this was her song idea, so we're going to be singing it together. Uh, Mike, Doug, Jen, and myself are going to be completely butchering it off to the side here, so don't follow us. Pay attention to the experts up here. And it's, 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 it's beautiful to think, you know, again, like what do we find at the margins? That's what, that's what this, this Christian call is to. Finding life, finding at the margins. What's the title of the song again, Jen? Lost. Lost. Lost together. And that so much of life, and we can say it with a smile, is that we are lost together. And we find each other, we find God together as well. So I love that idea, right? That, that, that we're lost together, we're found together, that, that, that there's a togetherness here. And, and, and that's where you think, when you think of the, the Sermon on the Mount, you think of the Beatitudes, you have to kind of see Christ as, as pulling all those different pieces together. Going out to the margins and, and those people and saying, look, there's even blessing here. Even blessing in, in those parts of our life where we have a hard time even accepting it, understanding it, relating to it.
but it is entirely possible to find. What do we discover? Well, I think we discover a couple of things. We discover we are not bad people trying to be good. How many of us does that do-gooder attitude get us into trouble a lot? (laughs) You know, doesn't always work so well. Please say the W word. We We are wounded. We are wounded people trying to heal. Big difference there. And then I think we also discover something else, something else very beautiful. And we discover this, hospitality. Hospitality. Hospitality is the virtue which allows us to break through the narrowness of our own fears and to open our homes to the stranger with the intuition that salvation comes in the form of the tired traveler. I I think that that's a beautiful part. Again, that comes from Henry Nouwen, who's who's famously known in Christian circles for, for writing a book called The Wounded Healer. And that idea that those wounds that we discover on the margins, that we can, we can welcome those wounds. We can, we, we can welcome as well those beautiful parts of our lives because at those very edges is where we connect. I mean, maybe that was part of the genius of, of spending a week where we didn't tell anyone what we did for a living. Because what we did for a living is kind of my mask. You know, it's a way that I can, I can build up a certain way that I want you to see me. But when I can't say that anymore, all that's left is me. Quirky, blessed, the whole thing. And yet that's where real connection can start to take place. From New Church Theology, the book Secret is in Heaven. Just as one musical note by itself doesn't make up a melody, still less a harmony, Neither does one true thing achieve anything. So it's, it's, we need that. We need that in the round. We need everybody bringing their perspectives. We need that, that, that great giving into something. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, it goes on from the Beatitudes, this beautiful part. And I, I want, I'm going to come back to, I'm going to come back to Beatitudes again next week because I think it, it is the optics through which to see the whole sermon. And then Christ offers these wonderful little stories as part of that. And that's what we're shifting gears into. What was one of those stories? You heard Jen talking about the right road versus the left road. I'm going to be talking about the right hand versus the left hand. And I'm going to be talking about this this beautiful, beautiful passage. Beautiful passage from the Gospel of Matthew. Be careful not to practice righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Next. So when you give to the needy, do not do it announcing it. I love the T word. I'm going to have you say it with a great trumpeting voice. Do not announce it with. Do not announce it with trumpets. Shoot. (laughs) As the hypocrites do. In other words, when he says hypocrites, he's talking clergy, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, their reward, the trumpets. You want trumpets, you'll get trumpets. It says there's something else. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand, please say the K word there, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward in secret. Now, now, that's an interesting part, right? Like, how can you do something where your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing or left hand, like, that makes no sense, right? 
So we're obviously talking a, a metaphor here. We're talking an analogy. Like nobody could literally do that. You can't walk around all day just doing this. You know, it's, it's like we're, we're both handed. And this, by the way, I had to tell people, this is not to make all the lefties please raise your hand. I do not want any lefties feeling guilty going out of church today. All right? So you're just as good as the righties. It's, 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 it's got something different to it. Now, now to get to this, what I want to do is, is I have a, a volunteer, last minute volunteer, Jack Clauser, who's going to be coming up. And I want to talk about this right hand versus the left hand thing. So, and Jack even has a special guest who will be joining us as well. So Jack, if you could come on up, please give him a round of applause, folks. This is the first time we've had a canine on stage. That's good. All right. So, so I want to talk first just about right hand and left hand. Then I'm going to ask Jack a couple of questions. So if you put up on the screen here, the right versus the left. So the right hand, notice where it said doing. The right is our heart. It's our doing part. It's that part of us that loves doing good, loves serving, feels joy in doing it. And it's just a simply faith in the promise of grace. And it's, it's, it's a promise of grace just in terms of like, yeah, the grace that kind of, kind of flows over us, this beautiful warm blanket, so to speak. And then the left hand, for those of you again who are confused, remember learning about the L, the left hand, that's your head, that's what you quote unquote know. It's a part that can be very focused on the reward we deserve, very focused on, on that deserve. This is one mellow dog. So I want Jack just to describe for a minute just what this dog thing is all about. So you can just kind of get a, get a sense of a right hand. I'm going to talk how it fits into right and left. Go ahead, Jack. So this dog is from an organization called SDWR, Service Dogs for Warren Retrievers. And she is in training with me for the next six months now. And she will go back um, in, in October to a uh, family with an autistic child. And her job is to keep him calm or her calm when they go in public and to just be of service to them. And what's your job with this, with this dog? Uh, my job is to train her to sleep all the no, time. <laughs> um, to train her to, to stay calm like this so that she can provide a service to the child when that opportunity comes along. And do you work with small children too? Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you got that joke. That was good. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's like here's something where, where Jack and Brady, where their hearts are coming alive. Where the right hand, like they're just doing. Now notice what the Bible said. The Bible said, look, don't let you, please get this right, folks. I'll give you a hint. The word is up there. Do not let your left hand, please say it all loud and please get all the right answer. Please, please, please. Do not let your left hand know. Isn't that fascinating? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Jack, if you were totally getting into your head about this, you know, taking on this dog, doing this thing, you and Brady have done such a good job. Like if you totally got into your head, if you overanalyzed it, in other words, if you brought your left hand into the conversation, what would have been the crazy thoughts in your head? Um, well, the, the crazy thoughts are always there. I mean, having her and knowing that I have to give her back is definitely one of those things. It's like, why am I doing this? You yeah. know, I ask myself that question sometimes. 
And it's hard also because other people, that's their first question normally that they ask. Oh, it's going to be really hard to give the dog back. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but I guess to answer the other side of the question, what do, what do I truly know in my heart the reason that we did it? Um, there's a, the organization posts videos from time to time. There's a news article a couple weeks ago about an 11-year-old with autism who really was struggling and having a hard time. And it was actually about her brother. So her brother from the same organization got donated to this child, and you could see it in his face how his life changed. Um, he didn't want to be around. He didn't want to leave the house. And then the dog, he described it as a big stuffed animal to go along <laughs> with him. Um, and that reminded me, you know, the, the crappy part of having to give her back. I mean, I have to take care of her. I have to feed her and take her out and get up earlier than I want to, and she wakes me up. But all of that is then outweighed with what I know in my heart is that it's, it's important for somebody else. It's not for me. It's, it's for somebody else. That's good. So I, I want to just, just notice the language here. Reflect back to Jack the language. That was really good, by the way. Boom. You know, like, like that, that, that thing, of it's about somebody else, right? I think we play our lives through TV a lot. We look at our lives and we think, well, how will this look to other people? You listen to the language of somebody who's found a passion like this. Is it about how they look in public? Yes or no? No. No, it, it doesn't even have anything to do with it. The left hand will tell you that. The left hand says, hey, we need to focus on the reward we deserve. But that's not what this is about. This is about an autistic kid. Unknown at this time who's going to find in this dog a best friend, who's going to find in this dog life, who's going to find in this dog in some strange, miraculous God's economy, which I can't figure out, the right road, the right hand, the right way to live. So our task is simply like, like to think about that and think about how, how do we kind of push aside that, that left-handed bit, that part that needs to know, that part that's looking for credit, that part that's always wondering, how will this look on TV? And just learning to look at that left hand, just go, no, 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 that's not it. We do obviously want to use our brain. Like we want to use our brain to train a dog, you got to know what you're doing. I would be horrible at this. I just, I feed dogs too much. Jack has to do this, and Brady has to do this. They have to do it in a disciplined way. They have to know something. But, but that's the proper use of the left hand. The dominant hand. What we love, what is true, and what lasts. Give Jack a round of applause. Thank you, Jack. Boom. That dog is going to be more popular after church than me. <laughs> Very much, Jack. So that's the, the left and the, and the right hand. And, and again, folks, it gets back to that, that sacred decentering, you know, like, and we got to keep on coming back to that, keep on coming back to listening. And this right hand will give you the eyes of the lion. This, this right hand will pull you to the margins. Be that the margins in California. Be that the margins in Philadelphia. Be that the margins in your own life. Be that the margins in your relationships. If there's a strained part of a relationship, your right hand will pull it to you. But don't get too hung up with the left. That's the whole message of today. Just that simple no, no, no.
And what I want to offer is this. The takeaway. I want us all to say together, the will to embrace. Could we say that together, folks? The will to embrace. The will to embrace. Let's just look at this week ahead as a week where we can just accept the will to embrace. To embrace the whole way out to the margins. That beautiful peace, that that beautiful embrace we can find there. Because what we find, we find this hospitality where we are humbly connecting at the edges around, and these two words, folks, I think they just resonate right, right into our souls, around a common hope, around a common hope, and around a common search for life. Common hope, common search for life, hospitality, that, that, that will to embrace. That's what churches need to be, that's what we're going to be, that's what community is. And then what do we discover while I was out walking and I realized that may not mean a lot to a lot of people, but I was like, oh, there's my sermon. Anybody know what body water that is? It's a penny pack creek. Now, now, you know, even that will to embrace folks, like I thought, yeah, there's, there's the way life works. Like some of us, the water's pretty still today. How many of you, just raise your hand if the water's still this morning. All right. Some of us, the water, and these are not like level five rapids, by the way, but, but you know, not like danger, but, but, you know, some of us are in the rapids. How many of us are in the rapids today? Raise your hand. You know, some of you in the rapids. But here's the miracle. Here's the miracle. It's all the same water. All the same water. God there in all of it. Isn't that beautiful? So this week, go forward very simply with the will to embrace. Could I get a big amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So now we're going to close the service. I'm going to offer a prayer. You have an opportunity to say your own prayer, say the Lord's prayer as you know it, or just have a moment of quiet reflection. After that, we're going to have our last song. Marcus is going to lead us in a raucous last number waiting on the world to change, and you're more than welcome to join Marcus in singing it. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you for Jen and her beautiful, meaningful words to all of us here. And help us, Lord, to move from this place in the spirit, in the spirit that we find so deeply in the Sermon on the Mount. A spirit that says you are blessed, a spirit that says do not hide, a spirit that says with a smile, move to the margins. See what you find there. Allow your right hand to lead you. Your love, your power, your very best intentions offered on God's behalf. And Lord, finally, thank you. Thank you for your presence here among us today. Help us to live this, to breathe this, to go forward free loving, caring human beings in your image, in your likeness. Bless our ways. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 